Hi. Hi. How we doing? We got a cat on our lap and we're in a comfy wing back chair. So life is good. That's great. For a second, I thought you were going to say you adopted another cat. <laughs> it wouldn't be shocking, would it? It would not. You've been talking about it. Yeah. We floated a cat, a bunny. I suggested an otter. Uh, I would love an otter as a pet. They're so cute. They are I'm, cute. I'm going through like a zoo animal phase. So I've been watching this show on Disney Plus that's like Secrets of the Zoo and it was the Tampa Zoo. But then I what finished the this. Secrets? It's just like all the behind the scenes of like how they treat the animals and like the animals, like how they breed and then how they like trade them between zoos and just kind of like the conservation efforts and stuff. It's really interesting and like. Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked about zoos before, but I just love seeing the animals. They're all so cute. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what kind of tea do you have? It's a matcha tea. Ooh. A caffeine. I only, I only have one coffee today. I usually have like one or two cups, but I had an early meeting today, so I did not have time for coffee before my meeting. So I went and met up with a friend and had some coffee afterwards, but I only had like a little cappuccino. Didn't have time for a second one. Needed a second one. I'm about to go do dinner with my family and I'm excited to see them, but my energy is too low. I've got to prep. You're so pre-gaming I dinner. I, I am, but it's too hot <laughs> to drink. So I have it sitting in front of me and I haven't been able to drink it yet. But it smells good and there's honey in it. So, you know, Ooh. we'll get there. I love that yeah. for you. I made um, cold brew the other day because Jess has these like cold they almost look like huge tea packets but inside them they have yeah so I made some of those um and I've been drinking that throughout the week with like a lot of oat milk in it it's good how long did you steep it um it said like do 14 to 20 hours but I accidentally left it in so it's probably more like 28 hours but it was Mm -hmm. fine nice yeah sounds good yeah so so got any topics or questions you would like to discuss before we dive on in this way this is a mini sode by the way whether the episode is mini or not has yet to be determined but the reading that we're discussing is mini Mm -hmm. yes i mean we do have a time restraint for this recording so we know it'll be no more than about 45 minutes (laughs) that's true yes because i do have to go to family dinner (laughs) yes but i wish they were coming here and then they could just be on the pod but you know maybe one day oh one day um i've been reading i guess just quick side note i've been reading a lot this year and i'm pretty proud like kind of just january i was dissociating a lot and (laughs) through doing that reading a lot of the new books i had gotten over for christmas um so many so many so i've read five already and it's february 10th yeah zooming i've started a few but i haven't finished any well it's kind of a fun way to like have a bunch lined up because like I'm into all the books I have. And so I'm like, well, if I ever want to get to them, I just got to like crank it out. Got to read them. So yeah, that's true. Too many books, not enough time. Or not enough space either. <laughs> true. Never enough space. Oh, Velma's joining us. Hello, Velma. What are you reading? Nothing right now. Okay. <laughs> she got shy. Yeah. Oh man, I had a Zoom meeting this morning. Uh, for the first time in a while and she like hopped up. I set up like a little desk in my bedroom because um, it's quieter in there and she like hopped up and was a superstar on the camera like flashed her butt at the camera a couple times we love it yeah, I was in a breakout room earlier and like one person who was talking like you could see her cat's little ears and then the cat would like lift its head up and you can see his chin and then I was like I commented on it and I was like oh my god so cute and then the other person in the breakout room like lowered her camera and there'd been a cat there all along no. yeah wow. Good we vibes. love a surprise cat yeah we love it yeah hadn't done a zoom meeting in a while so she was like Ooh, what is this what are mm-hmm. see I've been on zoom this entire week because it's our like mid-year gathering mm-hmm which is usually in Portland, Oregon, but it's the Panini. 
forever and always. Gotta yeah. Knock on some wood. You know, I I've accepted that this is life now. I mean, yeah, it's what's the difference? Endemic. Yeah. This is a version of our lives and things will continue to change because change is the only constant but voracious will be here for you (laughs) yeah we hope so as long as there are things to read and talk about which will be always i think we're gonna have like 13 listeners this season i'm excited oh wait who are new listeners um well i thought we had 12 right yeah okay our last episode I was just looking at the stats. Our last episode, I think, had, like, ten listens. Like, there was a pretty solid ten listenings for, like, a few different episodes. And, like, Anchor's statistics said, like, it guessed we had seven listeners. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got a few folks who have not listened to every episode, which is fine. Most of them just, like, they must be so confused. (laughs) I don't know. But maybe for season two, we'll we'll double our following. Ooh, people about us getting the word out. Yeah. Oh, in the the brief time that I was on dating apps, I told a few people about the podcast. Got <laughs> 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 I gotta put it out there. I doubt any of them will listen, but if you are, hello. That'd be pretty funny. That would be hilarious. They were listening. They they'd surely get to know a lot about you. Oh yeah, it would be quite revealing. Um, so maybe I kind of hope they don't take me up on that offer. And this was also like a month and a half ago, two months ago. So yeah, no longer very relevant. Wait, but, did Vic say she was going to listen to the pod? Yes. She listened to our intro episode ah! and I sent her this story that we're going to talk about today. So nice. We'll see. We'll see. Vic, if you're listening, text me. <laughs> Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good segue. So, yeah, today we're discussing a short story by Octavia Butler, which I think is perfect because, well, I guess you've mentioned her stuff to me before, and I keep hearing Mm -hmm. her name floating around. And, Mm -hmm. like, at the beginning of this week, um, someone on one of my calls, like, chose basically different people each day have been choosing um a famous black person and talking about like black excellence for black history month and Mm -hmm. someone talked about octavia butler and it was like Mm -hmm. someone um who i've worked with who i've worked with a few times before um so i trust her opinion and she was saying that she's a really interesting science fiction writer um and she has lots of novels and short stories. And she won the MacArthur Genius Fellowship. She did. Um, Among so, other awards. Yeah, like the Hugo Awards. I was reading her Wikipedia before this call. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and, if y'all have yeah. it, like, definitely look up interviews by her. Her voice is incredible. Oh. Like, very deep. And she speaks... Um, like a little slowly and very intentionally um like her it's beautiful like the way that she speaks is really beautiful um would highly recommend listening to interviews with her there's a bunch on youtube cool yeah she's great yeah so you i knew nothing about this story going in you were just like hey i'm gonna send you this how do you is it JSTOR? I've never had to say that. Yeah. Before. I'm gonna send you this JSTOR PDF that I like bootlegged from I mean you didn't bootleg it. You I actually have an ADU address. It because I have a university account. Thank you very much. <laughs> I it felt bootlegged to me because I am not currently in a college system. Yes, but I'm allowed to distribute for educational purposes. This yeah, that was educational. So you sent me this um short story called amnesty yeah. and you said you had been reading it like you assigned it to your class right yes i assigned this to my soft sculpture class college class i've decided like the soft sculpture class i'm teaching this semester is totally new it's a sort of an intermediate level um college sculpture course um sort of designed for people who have some sort of basis like skill set in fiber arts already 
to come expand those skill sets, but also explore sculptural ideas using fiber processes and techniques. So it's more of a an idea-based class where I'm giving them prompts and showing them artists, and we're going to be doing some readings and maybe even listening to some podcasts. Um, and then they're going to be using soft, that's interpreted very loosely, but like soft and fiber materials and processes to tackle those ideas and answer, like sort of address the prompts that I'm giving them. So our first project, which we're working on. Wait, before you tell me what it is, can I like guess based on <laughs> the story? Sure. So why did I assign them this story, Taylor? Please tell me. Well, I mean, are you having them like create one of the communities, like what they think the communities look like? That would be amazing, but no. Okay. It's not that direct a relationship. Um, I mean, that's fair. Um, <laughs> that would be really cool, though. We'll tell y'all what that means in a minute. Is it use fiber arts to depict a community in your life? Also would have been good, but no. <laughs> Let me tell you this. I came up with the assignment before I read the story. Oh. Does that change things for you? Yeah, I have no idea then. Okay. So one thing I've been thinking about is like in... um. In my art world and in art communities, people have a pretty developed, nuanced understanding of what contemporary sculpture can be and what soft sculpture is and what fiber arts are. But in non-art communities, um, most people, when they think about sculpture, think about, you know, marble statues or ceramics um, or giant, you know, metal structures that you see in parks or around cities I think those are sort of the most like basic traditional examples of sculpture that like almost everyone is familiar with mm -hmm. um can confirm yeah <laughs> yeah and there's nothing wrong with that but like that's not all it is and I work with <coughs> a lot of found materials and fiber materials myself and I've been thinking since finishing grad school and starting to transition my practice out of school into a like more professional thing, um, what kind of work I want to make, what I like doing, what I'm interested in and things like I like soft stuff uh, and I like fiber processes because I'm really interested in their history. And I sort of like whenever I'm sewing or quilting or working with um fabric related things or domestic items I feel like I'm connected to this lineage and this history um a lot of these processes are also very communal um and very gendered too and like have shown up in my family um in different ways um so it makes me feel connected to the other people in my family who do these things um or have done them in the past anywho got the chance to design this class that I'm teaching this semester. Um, and I get really excited about making work based on, you know, ideas and questions and finding materials and techniques that best help me like visualize my responses to those prompts, if that makes sense. Um, so what I'm thinking about this semester, I have only assigned them three projects. We're going to slow things down partly because of the state of the world that we're in now. There is no reason we need to be doing something new every two weeks. Um, <laughs> and the state of not, University of Houston's campus. Yeah, like that's not a sustainable... That it, It's worth learning how to work quickly like that, but I think every other studio class asks them to do that. In this class, I want to take a beat to slow down. And also the materials I'm asking them to use require more time. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's just acknowledge that and build that in. So we're only doing three projects. The first one, which we're wrapping up, is all about the body. So I'm asking them to create. Um, oh, let me see if I can actually pull up my assignment sheet. But the first one is about the body. The second one is going to be about monuments. And the third one is going to be about environments. And I'm thinking about that more in terms of like creating a space, um, not necessarily the environment but i'm gonna leave that a little open to interpretation mm -hmm. um, i'm trying to find my 
assignment sheet. Body assignment sheet. Here we go. It's not in my folder. I'm gonna. Yaddy, read yaddy, 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 Where would you want to actually wrote? Because I think it was good. Okay. Make a sculpture of or about the body without using realistic representations of the figure. Use materials that have a conceptual connection to the body, humanity, different identities, etc. Consider the relationship between your materials and what you understand about bodies. For your final aim to be evocative, subtle, even surprising, rather than descriptive or pictorial. If helpful, consider the following questions. Would you like to hear my questions? Yes. Great. Number one, how did you learn to exist in your body? Who taught you? What did you learn? Two, how does your body relate to other bodies? This can be social slash cultural or in personal relationships in daily life. Three, where and in what circumstances does your body feel constricted? Where and in what circumstances does your body feel expansive? Question four, what about bodies do you love? What about bodies do you fear? Five, how has your relationship with your body changed over time? Six, do you present your body in different ways in different spaces? Consider the way people prepare, adorn, clothe, nourish, and protect bodies. So this is their prompt. So it's pretty, it's pretty open. I'm not asking them to use any specific set of materials. Um, obviously, I want them to incorporate some sort of soft something, but that's very fluid. Um, can they respond to any of those questions? Yeah, or they can do other things if they. Those want. are just like just jumping like a, off points. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so we'll see. It's due February twenty third. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear their what their responses are. Thank you. I think most of um, what I'm seeing so far, I'm excited about. We've had a hard time gaining momentum because the building caught on fire a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and we were like, no one was hurt, but lots of like water and smoke damage. So we were displaced from our classroom for a little while and kind of making it work, but we're back in our classroom space now. Um, and I finally have access to most of our supplies. Although somehow two of our sewing machines got displaced and I'm tracking those. Oh, no. got one today. Somebody emailed me and said, Hey, I have it. So like got one. I don't know where the other one is. Um, but yeah, so we're thinking about bodies. And then one thing I wanted to try, I've never done this in a studio class before, and I've never seen it done in a studio class before, but obviously I like reading. Um, and I think as an artist, it's very useful to take in a wide variety of content. And I think um, one thing that's important to me as I participate in an academic institution is to do things uh, differently than they are normally done um, and to do things that encourage lateral thinking, critical thinking, um, and encourage students to explore and truly develop their own ideas and their own voice. So I was like, number one, let's do some reading. And then I was like, number two, let's do some engaging socially and culturally relevant readings, not read academic or art history essays that they're yeah. already being bombarded with from a lot of other places. So, and I also made a point to find content um, created by, like created pretty contemporarily, relatively contemporarily um, by w- women and people of color. Because, like, we got enough of the rest of the people. <laughs> um, and it's a, and it's stuff that, like, I want to read but haven't gotten around to. Um, so selfishly, it's like, oh, if I assign this for class, I have to do it. So yeah. How'd you hear about this? So I've known about Octavia Butler for a while. Um, take me back to my English major roots. <laughs> I actually realized as I was reading this story this earlier this week, I had read this once before in college. Ooh, which class? Was it Judas class? <laughs> um, I don't think it was Judas class. I think, honestly, I don't remember. I think it might have been my feminist theory class. Don't remember. That's my best guess is feminist theory. But yeah, so Judith Butler, yeah. incredibly prolific, black female 
Oh, wait, you said you just said Judith Butler. I'm sorry, Judith Butler, Octavia Butler. Judith Butler is also an author. Um, That's she funny. is not a black female sci-fi author. My apologies. Octavia Butler. Extremely prolific black female sci-fi author who's written many wonderful things. Um, in a in the intro sculpture class every semester now, they read her other short story, Blood Child. Because a couple years ago, I was like, hey, y'all, I hate the readings we have. We should take them away and assign this instead. And they let me do it. And now I don't teach that class anymore. But that has stayed behind. And if that's my legacy, I'm okay with that. Nice. Yeah. So, okay. We're thinking to take it back to the story. Basically, I'm asking them to think about bodies in abstract, but also abstract ways, but also social ways and personal ways to really think about their bodies and bodies in general in ways that they haven't before. Um, And I also want to throw them some like frameworks for thinking about bodies and also just like life that they may not have been exposed to before. And I think Octavia Butler is great. I think she's awesome to assign for classes from a logistical perspective because she has a lot of short stories that are available on the internet um like easy to get easy to get through because i don't want the reading to feel like a burden Mm -hmm. so from a logistical perspective that's great Um, but i also love the way that she writes especially thinking about this for an art class i love the way she describes things so because she's sci-fi like there's some sort of alien like race and pretty much everything that she writes um and she describes them like just enough that you kind of can start to visualize what they look like, but she doesn't describe them so much that you know exactly what they're like. There's still a little bit of mystery. And so from like an art perspective, I think it's really interesting that you can look at the text and find, you know, descriptors, but still not have a full grasp of what it is that she's what she thinks these things look like um yeah so fill in yourself those details i think that's really cool what i pictured with this like based on what information she gave like i'm curious if your mental picture is the same as mine like well so let's real quick before we start talking about what they look like do you want to give just like a cliff notes of the story so that everyone's like with us and trying to visualize these aliens with us okay so, um, our narrator, or it's like told from the point of view of, well, no, I guess that's you like want me to give a cliff notes? No, 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 I got this. I got disgusted already this week. No, I got this. Um, <clears throat> Noah is a translator and she is introducing this group of other humans to their task or it's more like a job interview um because uh-huh. they are going to be interacting with the creatures that noah translates for yes. and noah became a translator because when she was young like 11 she was abducted by these creatures and these creatures are called um communities or that's like what she yes. called them and each community is like a separate being that's made up of like a lot of different living parts and it almost kind of looks like a big bush or like Mm -hmm. some kind of like natural and they're they're big they're like almost like a size of a room room. yeah Yeah. so Um, like sorry is there more yeah 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 so the um like the relationship between communities and humans is that communities like came to earth and like we're like subjugating earth and taking over and like they're here to stay, but they've been here long enough that humans have started to create a relationship with them. And a lot of humans really dislike them and still see them as the enemy. But some of them are like, like Noah are like, Oh no, they're here to stay. So let's form relationships with them. Like let's learn their languages. Let's coexist. Yeah. So that's really the crux of, the story is this group 
this alien group called yeah good summary um can i add to it yeah great so as like a framework for the emotional crux of the story this because we're finding this information out piece by piece but to give you dear listeners um the highlights (laughs) of the the tension of the writing um the communities have come to earth don't know why don't know where from they are these giant creatures they have settled in deserts around the globe and they're in these things called bubbles so the story Mm. is set in the mojave bubble and the mojave desert and that's where noah is and where the story takes place um and they make a point to state in the story that they've really only settled in spots that are really resource scarce so like there aren't obviously humans can live in the desert but like they are not settled in areas of high resource production or really very much in the human's way at all. So it's interesting that your your immediate take was that they're here and they're taking over and they're subjugating mm. humans because it definitely feels that way. And a lot of the human characters feel that way. Um, and the power dynamic is such that humans definitely are not top of the food chain anymore. But I don't think it's as simple as like straight up subjugation colonization because at the same time i don't know if you caught this because i didn't there's people that exist outside of the bubbles and there's like excuse me other communities that are living right but also like the community the alien communities can't leave yet like we don't know why they're here or how they got here but there's like some of the humans and i guess it's noah hints at the fact that They're trying to build a spaceship to leave, but it's going to take a very long time. And they're kind of stuck. Mm. So there is this power dynamic at play, but also this sort of like weird codependency that happens. Um, But yeah, the the alien communities are definitely in charge. Um, But the rest of the world and like, doctors and lawyers and people going to school like that still exists outside of the bubbles yeah that's a good point like I guess the story mostly focuses on people in the bubbles but so I wasn't really thinking about all those people but yeah they're they're still living well and I think Butler writes it in such a way that we're not supposed to focus on people Um, yeah but that's the main tension of the story is Noah Like you said, Noah was kidnapped as a kid. She was released as a young adult where she was then basically kidnapped again by humans who like basically tortured her to try to figure out what she knew about the aliens. And her sort of whole perspective on life is that those humans hurt her worse than the aliens ever did because they knew what they were doing to her. Like the aliens ran experiments and did a bunch of fucked up stuff to the humans in their captivity, but it was more from like a cold scientific angle. Um, They did not care that they were hurting the humans, but they did not hurt them on purpose or maliciously. And to her, that's more forgivable. I don't know if forgivable is the right word, but that hurts her less than the humans who took her and knew exactly what they were doing and did it anyway. And so eventually she escapes from the human kidnapping. Her uncles like find her. This is a minor part of the story. We just get a little bit of her backstory about halfway through. Um, But she decides she doesn't want to be a burden to her family anymore, basically, because the only place to make real money is in the bubbles working for the aliens, for the communities. So she goes back. And, and the she, work is very odd. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, oh my gosh, how do you even describe it? So it's like you, some of the people applying for this job are like, oh, so we're going to be like sex workers or we're going to be their pets. Yeah. And Noah's like, maybe at first you'll feel that way. But if you actually like learn their, like attempt to learn their language, like, it'll be more than that but basically it's like 
the humans are there for the communities to is it embrace them is that the verb in embody Enfold. I mean, because really, that's that's not exactly it. I think that's the method, but really, the humans are there. Or it's like as so that the communities can learn about humans and about Earth oh. because they can't leave the bubbles. That's not ever made explicit, but as far as I understand, the communities can't leave the bubbles, and so they need the humans to come in and teach them about Earth and about human beings. But the communities. they're highly intelligent and way more advanced than humans but they communicate through touch and light and energy not through sound and so you can't speak to them and so what noah is doing is she's working with the communities to develop a language that both humans and communities can understand and all of that is through touch and the communities enfold their person their employee and that is how they communicate with one another gotcha yeah i less saw it as like they i didn't really see it or like i didn't pick up that they're working towards this goal of leaving i more saw it as like i mean it's not clear they, like they have the companionship well, and that may be part of it, too, because we're only getting it from Noah's perspective. And I think I might be overselling the idea of leaving. I think mostly the point was they can't leave right now or anytime soon. But some of them might. Actually, mm-hmm. but I re- yeah, I really don't think that's the purpose of the story. The purpose is sort of like they're here. They're more powerful, like what does that mean what's going to come of that we don't know yeah i mean and like it's called amnesty so i take it that the focus is on the relationship between the communities and the humans and like that's interesting that's not how i took the title oh yeah i guess i i'm gonna google the definition again i had to do this yesterday with my class because i didn't want to get it wrong Okay, so amnesty is defined as an official pardon for people who have been convicted of political offenses. Um, so one oh. of the things that came up in my class when we talked about this yesterday, um, one of my students brought up this like, the, the fact that like Noah seems to have accepted the communities and accepted their presence and accepted her sort of position um, in this social structure. Um, but I think it's interesting that this is called amnesty and not something like forgiveness, like pardons to me feel political, they feel temporary, they feel, um, tenuous. Like you kind of like let off the hook, but you're not really for, yeah, you're not forgotten now, but like, (sighs) we'll let it slide this time. And I think. Go ahead. Is the amnesty towards the communities or is it towards these humans? That's what I was going to say. Okay. It's not yeah. clear. What do you think? Um, I think I have a lot of phlegm in my throat right now, so I apologize. <laughs> I keep trying to clear it. <laughs> do you need to pause for a second? Yeah, make a lot of noise so I can clear my throat. Why don't you just mute yourself? I don't know if I can do that. Do you want to run into Let's another see. room real <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll be right back you have like 10 seconds to okay, have an bye. inner monologue okay well let's take a break from the story to talk about what we're filming <laughs> we're recording this um a few days before valentine's day if you celebrate valentine's day hope you have a great time remember to go get that discount chocolate on february 15th <laughs> i will be doing that um yeah and whether you celebrate or not hope y'all have lovely weekends whenever this is released maybe we'll drop it on valentine's day Ooh, i like that we'll be your valentine yeah okay thank you for that um i'm just getting over a cold not covid but i'm back um your question was who is the amnesty towards yeah what do, you what think? do i think about that um Oh, I can feel my my tea kicking in. I'm feeling better. <laughs> feeling feeling more awake. All this talk of aliens really gets me going. 
I don't know. Can I bring up a slightly unrelated point, but like a big thing I was thinking about reading this? Please do. Okay, so I went into this like really thinking about how Octavia Butler is a black woman writing this. And Mm -hmm. I read this as a story about like people who enslaved other people. And Mm -hmm. I was really thinking, like, I was really reading it as the communities are white people and the translators or the people working for them are, like, Africans or African-Americans that were enslaved and had to work on plantations or, Mm -hmm. like, then became sharecroppers and, like, had a very hard time living independently. Like, even once they were granted their freedom, like, they still went back to mm-hmm. their owners be, or their enslavers because they didn't have like they didn't have any other resources to support themselves and like mm-hmm. so I was very much reading it through that point of view and like reading it all as an allegory yeah I think that is fair I don't I, I don't know what she said specifically about this story but I know about some other stories she has said that like that's not like it's yes that's in there but it's more complicated than that um but i she also like we watched um one of her interviews in my class yesterday and i really loved how she talked about this she was saying like it's just as important what people bring to the stories as they read them as it is what she puts in them to begin with um and i feel that way about art making too so it was cool to hear her say that um but i would argue that like i think what you're saying is a fair reading and is in there but i think for me, I'm seeing it more as an allegory for like social and economic systems in the U.S., which obviously are informed by this country's history of enslavement um, and how that has set up our society and our economy. Um, but I just I think it's like a little more nuanced than just an allegory for the institution of slavery. Um, Because there's one part to be to be an English major about it on page six eleven. If you refer to the paragraph in the middle of the page, uh, (laughs) wait, let me get there. Do you have this this printed out in front of you? Yes, that's nice. With notes, (laughs) nice. Okay, six eleven. I'm there. Okay, six eleven. Middle of the page, the paragraph that starts. Noah shook her head. Uh huh. Okay. Mm, Let's see. Um, She's talking about when she came back after she was released and captured and tortured and then came back to the community seeking employment noah shook her head they would have detected any weapon i could bring in they let me come back because they knew me and they knew i could be useful to them i knew i could be useful to us too they want more of us maybe they even need more of us better for everyone if they hire us and pay us instead of snatching us they can take mineral ores from deeper in the ground than we can reach and refine them They've agreed to restrictions on what they take and where they take it. They pay a handsome percentage of their profit to the government and fees and taxes. With all that, they still have plenty of money to hire us. It's like that to me sounds like, like you could read that through the lens of enslavement. I think you could also read it very contemporarily through the lens of Western capitalism. So everything's exploitative but it's about where you can get the most in return for being exploited. But also these communities are mining mineral ores from deeper in the ground than we can reach. Right. Like that's definitely an an allusion to fracking, drilling, mining, um, which is a huge part of our global economy and the economy in the U S and also in the South where I still am. Um, And that too, like, yeah, I don't know if it's explicitly a, just an allegory for slavery, but it definitely is about money and bodies and how the two are related. Yeah, and I guess I don't, like, I so intertwine or I see slavery and capitalism as intertwined that it, they like, yeah. yeah, that... Yeah, someone was talking about both of them at the same time. Another interesting thing I wanted to bring up was that 
Noah kind of mentions why her parents gave her the name Noah. Because, like, one of the other people is, oh, like, Oh, really? Remember? I didn't catch that. What oh, was it? yeah. Let me... Ooh. I don't think I caught that. Because I remember the guy being like, oh, I remembered your name because I didn't expect a woman to be named Noah. Yeah. Like, that's all I remember about it. Um, okay, so this is on page 607, kind of also in the middle of the page. Um, so Noah's talking about you can make money here. I'm wealthy myself. I'm putting half a dozen nieces and nephews through college. My relatives eat three meals a day and live in comfortable homes. Why shouldn't yours? And then this other person, um, James, says, 30 pieces of silver, he muttered. Noah gave him a tired smile. Not for me, she said. My parents seem to have a completely different role in mind for me when they named me. Hmm. What do you think about that? Unpack this for us, please. I mean... I'm not super religious, but my first thought went to, like, Noah and his ark and, like, creating a new community out of this shitty disaster that happened, right? Like, because it was, like, a big flood. And so he, like, takes pairs of animals to kind of restart. So she's talking about, like, like working for the communities and then like helping out generations below you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting because we did not get into the biblical illusion in my class yesterday, but it is something I've been thinking about today too, because if I'm also not super religious, but one thing I'm remembering about the story right now is that wasn't the flood a punishment. I have no idea. I think it was. Let's do a quick Google. Noah's Ark story. I think the flood. Was <laughs> That's one. literally what I Googled too. Yeah, okay. Because I think that obviously the focus of the story is on the Ark and the animals <coughs> and the rebirth post flood. But I think, yeah. Okay, on Wikipedia. Noah's Ark is the vessel in the Genesis flood narrative through which God spares Noah, his family, and examples of all the world's animals from a world engulfing flood. The story in Genesis is repeated with variations in the Quran. This is, okay, so uh, BibleProject.com. In the Ark, God carries Noah's family through the flood unharmed to start afresh in a world returned to innocence. See, okay, yeah, so it was a for. I think that's enough for me to say that the flood was a form of punishment. Uh-huh. Um, which is interesting to think about, too, because we've got bubbles instead of arcs, so we do still have isolated, contained, like, social systems, like the arc. Mm-hmm. We have deserts instead of a flood, mm. but still, like, an extreme, an environmental extreme. Um, there's a very distinct inside-outside, um, maybe more structure and more order on the inside, more chaos on the outside. But maybe the flood hasn't, ha like, the metaphorical flood hasn't happened yet, and Noah and the communities and everyone else inside the bubbles are, like, prepping. Okay, so not to put out a ton of, like, half-baked ideas, but I also had what, another... What the fuck is a podcast for if not... So you... You were just talking about... Um, what did you say made me think of this? Oh, you were talking about, like, structure and, like, punishment and stuff. So another thing I was thinking of, like, besides the institution of slavery was, like, either military the military which i mean they do mention in here or just kind of like um all these experiments that were done on black people like you know like the tuskegee um yeah what was that not syphilis was it syphilis i don't know if that was tuskegee but syphilis was definitely one well and like modern gynecology is completely based on yeah henrietta lax yeah 
Yeah, so I was also kind of reading... I don't know, I guess thinking of, like, two entities as white enslavers in, like, the 16, 17, 1800s versus, like, more modern, like, 18th and... or 19th and 20th century white scientists. Like, the scientists knew, like, in the Tuskegee trial, like, they knew they had the vaccine, they could have saved the participants but they like let them die just to see what would happen and that's like extremely cruel and like definitely not to say that what like the white people like what the enslavers did the colonists did like that 100% was cruel too but it wasn't like like just for shits and giggles like they were trying to start this economy like they had a goal in mind mm-hmm. See, I think that's where, that's part of what I like, part of what I love about Octavia Butler's writing is I, I'm with you, I hear what you're saying, but I think what she's doing is a little more complicated than that. Because even though the communities are the ones who are running the experiments and who, you know, at least initially had people in cages and were doing all kinds of crazy things to them, it's the human beings who are actually still treating each other the worst. And like the communities very rarely ever directly harmed their captives it was the captives who harmed each other and then when captives would be returned back to the rest of the world other humans who would continue perpetuating that harm um so i think there is something to what you're saying but i just think it's more i don't have a better conclusion right now but i think it's more complicated it's like even more complicated than what you're saying yeah that's fair and I love, she does that like across the board in her writing. And I think she's very talented um, in that way about making these dynamics sort of seemingly straightforward, but actually incredibly nuanced and complex in a way that you can't quite pinpoint, but in a way that feels incredibly real because it is. It was pretty frustrating to read though. Like, oh I yeah. Was, yeah. I was frustrated in the first few pages because I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, just trying to like <laughs> enter this world, you know? And then, like, once I was finally in it, I was she like, okay, just like, drop you in. She totally just drops you in. And it's yeah. always with a human narrator and things are like almost normal, but just a little bit off. And, and you, you have don't... to like pick up on all these like huge events that have happened. But then by <laughs> the end, there like wasn't any closure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean they're not light reads. It's not shits and giggles. It's not like who sci-fi space fight like alien sex. Like, no, no, no. That's not what's happening here. Like, like allegories for our current or like very near future living conditions. Uh yeah, so we were talking about the parable of the sower and how that mm-hmm. was like written in the nineties and like oh, predicted, and like Trump era. It's said in the 2020s. I listened to like half of it over the summer. Very eerie. I want to, I think that might be one of my next reads. I'm yeah, let me know. Intrigued. I, I would like to go back to it. I just ran out of my, like I listened to a good chunk of it on a road trip and then didn't finish it before my credit got returned, mm-hmm. um, which is on me, queen of finishing things, starting things and not finishing them. <laughs> Your toxic trait. It is my toxic trait. It's mostly books that that happens with. But yeah, set in the 2020s, just a few years from now, incredibly uncanny. Hmm. Okay, don't say any more than that. Yeah, I don't remember all the details because this was like back in August. Okay, and because she's got like a few different parables of the blank. There are two, parables of the sower and parable of the talents. It's, oh, I um, thought there were even more than that. Well, it's a series. I may be misremembering this. I thought there were like rumors of a third one, but it was never published or never finished something like that she died pretty young she died when she was like in her late 50s from yeah it was like a stroke i think yeah so there were two for sure and they they go together but oh yeah this is parable of the sower trilogy unfinished trilogy nice yeah unfinished trilogy okay got it did you ever read The Giver in school? I don't remember. Okay. 
also queen of not remembering the names of things right <laughs> but if you would describe the story to me maybe i would know that's fair no i was just i don't know why this made me think of that that was also a trilogy but then i think there was a fourth book anyway wow would recommend reading um blood child is another truly excellent one that was the other story. short story you mentioned right yep yeah would recommend. that one's honestly my my favorite i think i like it more than this one but both very good i'm already into it it's like i mean i just saw the first paragraph it's talking about eggs like oh my god is this gonna be like a ivf reproduction thing maybe not oh it's a trip you should read it let me know <laughs> next okay. recording um <laughs> But yeah, okay, a few, can I do a few pod logistics before we go? Yeah. So this is our mini-sode. We are still planning on starting our next full-length novel in April when it is released. So we will keep y'all posted. But between now and then, we're going to continue doing um, mini-sodes like this. Uh, we might do a mini-series. We still haven't totally figured out all the things we're going to read between now and April. But consider this, I think we can consider this the start of season two. Or is this like an intermediary season 1.5? I think it's more 1.5, like an off-season, like so consider this spring this training. Start of spring training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, I, have a, I have a short story in mind. Have you ever read um, The Library of Babel? Maybe. It was like, it was written by a Spanish author yes. and translated. Okay. I, I think so, but let's do it. That's like that's my favorite short story, and I've read let's it a bunch. It. So okay, that could be fun week. for the next. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Send me a PDF. Okay, I will. Nice. Don't download it illegally if you can avoid it. <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Or like, just send me a PDF, and I won't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So this Anything is our else? mini, mini. Yeah. Anything else season. you want to talk about? Oh, you and Jess, um, keep an eye out in your mail. Dresses mail. Next few weeks. Nice. Yeah, I'll be here the rest of the week. We're we're sending you a package, a package. Yeah. We're excited. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'll let you know when it's actually sent. Sounds good. Yeah. Anything else you want to tell our listening public tonight before we wrap up? Um, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, me too. All right. That's Always been good. voracious. Uh, we'll see you next time with something new to sink your teeth into. Bye. Bye.